This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I am this week's host, Harrison Starr. Joining me are co-managing editors or managing co-editors of the Blackheart Gold Pants Pod, Max Brecky and uh, Ben Ross. Max and Ben, how you doing? Um, I have a truly in hand and I am doing great. Thank you for asking. I am drinking a beer that's going to make Max mad and that makes me happy. Is it a Corona? It's not. Oh, then I don't care. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> Getting started early with that. What is it, man? <laughs> I was so... I When I picked up this beer from the liquor store and I said, I really like this beer. I don't love it, but I'm certain that Max hates it. So I will drink it on the podcast and try and ruffle his feathers and rattle his cage. And right now my cage is rattled because you need, it's a Cerveza Soul, which, I believe, is, which I believe is the best Mexican beer. It's not, but it's, it's a fine beer. And uh, I'm enjoying it so thoroughly. It is, it is so such an average tasting beverage that, and I like it beyond comprehension. Yeah, what I just is don't the drink, best Mexican beer? It's just not Corona. Like I'll give you like if you could you could tell me anything, I'd agree with you just as long as you didn't say Corona. I think this. I think Cerveza. I was serious. I think Cerveza Soul is the best Mexican beer. Um, the one I drink the most is probably Tecate. Oh I yeah. Think, I don't think it's the best. I think it's just. The cheapest and most readily available. I don't like Tecate or Modelo. Not a huge Modelo is actually probably. My I like favorite, Modelo Negro better than Modelo Especial. It is better. I agree. Modelo is my favorite, but Max, guess what? We do drink Coronas sometimes. It's, they're not good. Oh, I, I, I drink Coronas. I drink Coronas all the time. I just, <laughs> like, I almost never keep them in my house. No, it's it's a terrible beer. You can't drink it without lime. And even with lime, it's I wish I had a lime right now. You're right. I yeah. really do wish I had a lime right now. We drink it with Bloody Mary mix. That's fine. Like I, if you're gonna do a um, michelada, yeah, michelada. Thank you. If you're gonna do michelada, yeah, that's fine. That. Corona's perfectly serviceable for that usage, but by itself, you can't. No. That so, reminds me. I want to go to Michelada Fest this summer in Chicago. It's gonna be lit. Where is that? It's in Pilsen. I went last Can year. Can I come? Yeah. I uh, love Pilsen. Pilsen's great. Kind of wish good, I lived there. It's a great place. Um, you, you, you whites gentrifying it. Uh, <laughs> you have no idea what I you you have no idea what I look like. Yeah, a white. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but there lucky you go. guess. Lucky guess. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Maybe we should. Um... So Welcome to our Iowa that. sports podcast, hosted by three white guys. Hey, 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 hey. hey. Max is married to uh, Latina. I am. 
Guilty by association. Latino. All right, I don't want to break these barriers on this. All righty, so we're uh, <laughs> recapping after the Iowa women lost to Baylor, eighty-five uh, to fifty-three, in the Elite Eight. Uh, this one was never really close, even though Megan Gustafson scored the first point. Uh, Baylor just kind of took hold of the game. I don't know if exposed is the right word for how, how they were able to contain Megan Gustafson, but she definitely had uh, a really tough game, only put up 23 points relatively, and no one else was really hitting shots. Um, they scored about 30% uh, from the field let Baylor do really whatever they wanted. Um, somehow Iowa had 11 steals, which doesn't seem quite right, but uh, if you're shooting 32%, you're probably not going to win many basketball games against the number one team in the country. So uh, really it, uh, a sad ending to uh, a really special season, but the thing is is like everyone has a sad ending except for one team. So yeah. I, I think... Um, that, that's kind of where it stands for me uh, as a two seed, uh, you know, going up against the number one team. Iowa had to play a perfect game, and early on it was pretty clear they were not playing a perfect game. So it it, it didn't necessarily hurt quite as much. I guess kind of what, what were your guys' thoughts watching the game last night? Um, I have a hot take. Ooh. Baylor is pretty good. Ah, very hot. Yeah. I, I know it's hard to believe. And... Um, you know, we might not want to, I, it's, it's a controversial thing. I don't want to upset too many people, but I think, I think Baylor is pretty good at basketball, but, um, no, I mean, really Baylor was hitting all of their jumpers and Iowa, Iowa had never seen a team that big. And I forget who said it. And I think it was our slack right when the game started. Somebody just said Baylor is huge. And yeah, like. You know, I was. They really specialize getting the ball inside. Like you know, they can shoot outside enough to keep teams honest. Mackenzie Myers is a good three-point shooter. Uh, Doyle's a pretty solid three-point shooter, and Davis I think shot like thirty-seven or thirty-eight percent, which is it's decent. It's not bad. Um, but you know, they want to get the ball inside on you. They want to get the ball to Gustafson. and they want to get the ball to Stewart on the block. And you know, they're their best when that team or when their guards are driving and you can't succeed against a team that's, you know, a good five, six inches taller than you at every position like that. You know, it was, I was never going to have like an easy go of it. They needed their jumpers to fall and they didn't, you know, that, that spells out the entire game for you right there. Yeah, that's a good point about the jumpers. Cause looking back at just how the split is, it, you know, they only took 10 threes and it seemed like if they were going to, to have a chance, they would have to fire up a ton of them um three for ten you know that's a fine percentage but um yeah you know if if, if you're shooting 32 percent overall kind of makes sense let's go ahead and chuck some more threes i don't know i i think to your point though max it's just they're they're, they're such a good team they had two got two gals who could really match gustison that it really just made it quite impossible for her i mean to not get a rebound um, in the second half's insane. It also yeah. speaks to just Baylor not missing, you know? Yeah. I mean, she got her hands on a bunch of balls in the post, you know, for rebounds. She just she just couldn't hand, handle them. She just couldn't hang on. It was just a very – it wasn't a good game for Iowa at all. You know, it was one of their 
the worst games that I saw, actually got the chance to see him play this season, which obviously wasn't a lot. They weren't televised very often, but, you know, it was one of their worst games of the season from my perspective. And, you know, it came against a team that you have no margin for error against. <clears throat> it was tough. I was reminded of when, you know, the way Iowa played for 40 minutes, uh, 20 minutes against Tennessee and, you know, 13 or you know, basically the first 20 minutes of the game against Cincinnati, too, for the men's. You know, that was the entire game for the women's. Um, I believe as Jonah in our Slack mentioned the size. And that was so evident. I mean, Megan Gustafson held her on the best. But I was guards. Um, I think the disparity uh, between the guards of the two teams is really the story of the game. Um, the, you know, just Tania Davis was having a really tough time distributing the ball. Um I, I mean, Iowa team, they could just can't turn it over 16 times uh, in a game like that, even though Baylor turned it over 17 times. Um, you know, Iowa just can't allow that, that, that sort of thing to happen. And uh, Iowa just, you know, they lacked a person to, you know, create their own shot. And uh, the most, you know, um, Iowa's got – we've talked sort of talked about Iowa's depth, I feel like, in the regular season, but – this was the third of four games where Iowa's bench had no points um, in the tournament, correct? In the yeah, in the last game, I think they had five. And that was the first. <laughs> and that was the first game of the tournament where they yeah. had bench points. Yeah, like five or eight, they had something minuscule like that. Yeah, like you just can't expect to win this late in the season without anybody um, standing on the shoulders of your star of your um, starting five. Yeah, I mean, so you just, that's kind of how they went all season, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, again. Uh-oh. Um, number two. Don't be sad that it's over. Be glad that it happened. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ben <laughs> I mean, it's a good point, though. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no reason to be, you know. I like, mean, that was greatness. It really was. Yeah. Uh, it's like a UConn team, you know, of the last five years. That's this Baylor team right now. Yeah. They lost to Stanford, I think, uh, Stanford like 30 games loss. ago in yeah. December. Shit. <laughs> I mean, it also just really kind of defines just how crazy women's college basketball it is. Because here, here we think this is Iowa's most talented women's team, certainly in the last 25 years since they went to the Final Four. Yeah, maybe ever. Maybe ever. Yeah, I mean, the, the best player of all time at Iowa, men or women's, what was on the court, and... <laughs> they just got smoked. I mean, the the halves and the, I mean, the half the distance between the halves and the we think we have is just so, so great in women's college basketball. It's really really kind of jarring to see see it play out, uh, especially when we're, we're cheering for uh, the David in this scenario. Yeah, I mean, what the all eight of the teams that were left as of the elite eight were all first and second seeds. And two of the um, two seeds beat one seeds in the Elite Eight, but well, I think one of those was UConn, which <laughs> yeah should have been a one seed anyway. They lost two games, and those two games were to the one seeds. <laughs> so you know, figure that one out. And then I didn't, I don't remember who the other one was, but you know, it's very top heavy. And, I think it know. might have been Mississippi State. Yeah. And I mean, but, they they have some really good players. I didn't really watch much of that game because I was on Sunday, I think. Mm. Uh, but they're a good team too. They are usually pretty good. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, 
But yeah, no, Iowa was the eight overall seed going against the number one overall seed in the tournament. It was, you know, and in women's basketball, that's like, you might as well be saying that that's, you know, Duke versus Rutgers. I wouldn't. Hey, I wouldn't put Iowa that's on that stretch. level, that's Max. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying that, like you know, like <laughs> my point was that it almost doesn't matter. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like to your point, it's the, this team was great, and they they at least they did get the one championship. They got the Big Ten uh, tournament championship, so that's nice. They'll hang yeah. Megan Gustafson's banner as soon as possible. I hope. Um, they should. I don't trust that they will, but they should. Does Do we want to make a projection for next year? Do, yeah. For them putting her banner up and retiring her number? Well, I mean, no, just the, the overall team losing Stewart, Gustafson, and oh, Davis. That'll be rough. It's but. like Iowa, they always reload. Yeah, they. I mean, they do. It's just going to be different because. I mean, you don't have the goddamn. You don't have a first team AP All American on the team yeah. anymore. Like, and then Hannah Davis was good in her own right and down there in the post. So. Oh yeah. It's, you know, it's not like you're just losing one. You're losing three really key players and that bench. Well, there could be talent on there. We don't really know very much about, you know, the inside players that are left because they didn't. Yeah, we're asking a lot of unknowns. They play a whole ton. Yeah, which is a little different. I'm gonna switch up how we have the, the the rundown, but it's a little different Ooh. than the football team. It feels like everyone is looking at the people who left, but here we sit about a week into spring practice, and it feels like this is about as talented of a spring roster as Iowa's ever had. And I think maybe I'm just... All right, slow your roll, pal. Well, I mean, but, like, Take since, like, easy, 2010, psycho. like, you know that defensive line's going to be good. I, I just think Harrison's of... drinking the Imani Jones defensive end Kool-Aid already. No, 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 not even that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, we, we'll get into that. But I think you look at the players that are back, and it's reminiscent to the 2010 team in a way. Granted, there's no Tony Moyaki, but you have some receivers who are potentially primed for breakout seasons. Well, maybe it's a little more like 2009. But you have a senior quarterback. You have guys in the trenches that you can trust. You have two uh, NFL-caliber tackles. You have talent along the line, both sides. I think this is going to be a super interesting defensive backfield. Um but I just I just get a sense that people are underselling what currently resides in uh, Iowa City football wise. Uh, who wants to pit Max? Do you want to piss in his Cheerios or do you want me to? Uh, you can start. I'll just piggyback. <laughs> okay. Uh, I agree with you on most things. Where you start? Were you comparing to two thousand nine or two thousand ten? 09 to 2010. I would say that... 2018 to 2019. Who, so... Uh, no matter... Like, okay. That combination. I, mean, like, <laughs> uh, I was receivers were already pretty established. I feel like DJK... McNuck McNutt came out of nowhere, but D, there's already DJK, and like you said, there's already, already Moyaki. Um, so I think already that's a, a more of a known commodity than we have in Amir Smith-Marset and... I mean, Brandon Smith had some nice catches towards the end of last year, and I'm really optimistic on him, but I'm still 
not going to say he's going to be a 1,000-yard receiver. I'm not going to say he's going to be a 600-yard receiver. I'd, I'd be thrilled if he was a 600-yard receiver this year. And then, I mean, you, there's LaShawn Green. He, I didn't want to – I know you brought this up in Slack. I didn't want to lay into you. But, I mean, he was a transcendent talent at running back. And I'm just super, super pessimistic for uh, Iowa's backfield right now. It's, I know it's the exact same three guys we had last year. Uh, which is why I'm pessimistic because I wasn't super impressed or thrilled. Makai Sargent was a great story. He performed really well, but what's to say when you have a junior college guy who nobody ever would have heard of if it wasn't for two a days or, uh, I mean, last chance you, sorry, Mm. if it wasn't for last Mm. chance you. Mm. um, That's how all junior college guys are, though. You don't hear about them until they show up. Yeah. Like, Uh, I'm not going to. I no, I mean you just uh, happened to hear about him from uh, Last Chance <laughs> U before he got to Iowa, I, right? But I don't know. I don't think it's very often he comes. Uh, a running back will come and uh, unseat two basically incumbents for in a Big Ten football running in a Big Ten program. That's a, that's a fair point. Yeah, uh, I won't. Yeah, I won't knock that point. But Makai Sargent, you know, while you were down on him early in the season, ended up being pretty damn good. He ended up being the best of three. I I mean, I highly mediocre. Gonna... Yes. Yeah, yep. but at the end of the year, he was also averaging a good amount of yards per carry, and he could catch. Okay. I think I mean, he's Makai Sargent to me is the most versatile back that I saw last year. I think Torn. No, I agree. I think he should be the starting second running back. in that yeah. case too. I I think he absolutely should be the starting <laughs> running back. Um, if you have three running backs, you don't have any. Period. God. This this is this is uh, this is a I, stupid conversation we're yeah, getting well, uh, into. I mean, right I now. don't think the running back talent's what's holding this team back. I guess my overall point is like I see the makings of a potentially transcendent defense in the mold of 2009. I guess th- this is where my point is, and I, I see an offense that isn't going to necessarily make make mistakes. They will because they're college kids. We have this discussion every year, but I think they're the pieces so, are there to have a really, really good season, and I just think that people are giving Ference cover to having another seven and five season. I guess that's my overall point. So every game's gonna be twenty sixteen Michigan. What was twenty sixteen? Oh. oh yes. If it is, then that's fire right. Brian Ference. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> No, no, yeah, you're right. That's the perfect rhetorical. You're right. I don't know. I'm, I'm. I think I'm a little bit more down on this team than both of you. The next year's team, at least. Like I don't. But it's also because their schedule is going to be a difficult one. You know, they played nobody this year, and they went eight and four. The team returns, you know, pretty much the same people minus two All American tight ends, minus. Um, you know, and all-American safety, linebacker, hybrid, the hooker. Um, you know, they we're losing some the most reliable receiver on the team. You know, we're losing a lot of people, and so this team went eight and four last year against an easy schedule, easier, and this year it's not going to be easier. It's going to get more hard. It's going to get more difficult. Here's um, the case against right, the schedule right. argument. I all right, go ahead. Here's Hit my me point with it. Hit me with argument. it. Because you look at 2009, they won at Penn State, and that team was 
returning more than this Michigan team will return. And they were ranked five fifth in the country. They beat a Wisconsin. They won at a Wisconsin team that ended up with ten wins. And um, granted, they lost to Northwestern and Ohio State without Ricky Stanzi. But like, the, Iowa has managed through tough schedules before, or at least tough games before. Is and, this two thousand and nine though? Well, two thousand nine, Michigan was down. Michigan State was down. Um, I mean, Iowa State's now as good as they've maybe ever been, even though they're losing a couple guys. But I just I just think that the schedule doesn't matter as much as people maybe think it is for a really good season. Okay, dude. I mean, I don't disagree with that, but, like, this team would have to be, like, a transcendent team, I think, in order to, you know, kind of, I ah. think, not transcendent, but like they have to be a much better team than they were last year. And you're losing so many, so many guys. You're losing, you know. But like, whatever. I don't. I don't know. Like, it might be the Mexican beer talking, but I'm kind of agreeing with Harrison. The other, the rest of the Big Ten could be more down than we suspect. They could be up. They also. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Like, they could be up. The Big We've Ten got is, Purdue uh, yeah. on the schedule next year. Purdue's gonna get better. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Illinois can't possibly be worse. <laughs> well, they have a lot of points to make up. Minnesota was getting better by the end yeah, of the Minnesota season. Minnesota was good. They figured um, it out once they fired that defensive coordinator. Yeah, it, it could be. To, I think this is a very <laughs> maybe. Last year was a down year for the Big Ten. Last year, the Big Ten fucking sucked. Every time I wrote the Big Ten football power rankings, all I did was talk about how much the Big Ten sucked. Well, then there you go, pal. Um. So I think this is worse. the most I've ever emoted on this podcast. Yeah, it is. and I'm Man, little, spring football brings out the best and worst in people. It's uh, the truly, bro. <laughs> it could be to Harry. I mean, I think this was the very first point Harrison made and was a little glossed over. It could be one of the best offensive lines Kirk's uh, ever coached. Really this one? Be. Pretty. The, I mean. This one? He has two NFL this tackles. One? Yeah. Does he? Yes. Does yeah. he? Yes. Yeah. Worse is a bona fide first round guy. He's a right tackle. I don't think he's a first I think Jackson guy. is more. I think Jackson is probably the better bet. But I think I don't. I don't see. I mean, I've no. Worse has short arms. <laughs> is that why he's able to hang clean <laughs> like eight hundred yeah. pounds? <laughs> That's probably it. <laughs> that that has to be why they do. They always get the guys with the short arms because they're. They're hand cleaning so much. They do so. They do such impressive workout videos. <laughs> so you got to bring them in. But I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I think this is the time for Brian to put up or shut up. Like to me, uh, I guess this is kind of my last point. Is wh- what he can do this season is he can become a freaking kingmaker as a tight end if he can bring Sean Byer out of nowhere or Drew Cook out of nowhere and turn them into Mackey contenders again. like Not even Mackey, just all Big Ten. Yeah, yeah but it'll be, he'll have tight ends knocking down the doors. What year is Byer? Redshirt sophomore, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Cook's going to be a, he's going to be a senior, right? He's yeah. a senior. Yeah. Yeah? No, I don't. I don't disagree with that. He could, you know, become the tight end guru. 
which you know would be which cool yeah no <laughs> for sure um doesn't necessarily mean that the rest of his offense isn't going to stink but <laughs> hey you know what that's something for, that's something to hang your hat on <laughs> yeah man boy. we're we're going all in tonight speak for yourself pal <sighs> all righty shall so, we take this anyways to a uh, nice... eight and four is too high of an expectation just throwing that out there <laughs> i mean i i I think it it's probably the right expectation, but yeah, I want it to be too. Eight and four is probably. I mean, it's. I think we were expecting eight and four because every year is eight and four. Because eight and four is yeah. Like, yeah. why would we not expect it? See, okay, totally that there, that's, I have to. That that's definitely an idea now. I, I got it. I got it for for later. Okay. <laughs> well, shall we jump to a break? Yeah, let's um, let's take a break. Take it away. This ad was brought to you by DCs. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. We do real breaks now. <laughs> do you want a pint of beer that could kill someone if you dropped it on the second story of our bar? <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Come so to DC. this past weekend, we were talking a little uh, pre-show about everyone's wild weekends and, and I guess I have to come clean a little bit. Uh, back in Dallas, I went to a Purdue watch party. and Oh, you're in Dallas? Yeah, I was in Dallas. And I told Christina, this is going to be either the saddest night of your life or one of the happiest nights of your life. Where'd you go to school? <laughs> Why her life? <laughs> be- <laughs> I don't know. I was speaking. <laughs> I guess I was speaking in the the second person about myself. <laughs> but I knew I was going to marry this woman, and we share. You share everything when you. So I thought we'd get a head start. You share sadness. We share all of the things. But anyways, we're, we're watching the game, and cla- everyone, every Purdue fan. Once they make that first free throw, Ryan Klein, everyone's like, they're excited now. They they're finally let themselves believe. Then they foul at the perfect time. Ty Jerome misses the free throw. Everyone goes freaking nuts. Nuts. And then somehow, <laughs> a three-quarters pass to <laughs> even kind of a contested 12-footer by the guy who tipped the ball out, ties the game in the most distressing fashion I've ever witnessed watching with people. It was on the level of the Dez catch in Dallas, which he didn't catch it as a Packers fan. (laughs) (laughs) And it was wild to watch. I mean, that's really just kind of my main Elite Eight point because all of these games, it felt like they kind of one-upped each other one after the other, even though I, I think that uh, Virginia-Purdue game was the best of the bunch. And I just can't get over how quickly and quietly everyone left the bar that night because it was 
it was so sad. Honestly. I say it sounds a lot like when I watched the Iowa versus Penn State game a couple years ago in uh, Fieldhouse. I was literally in Iowa City. about to say that. Yeah, that was I was in Fieldhouse that night, and like no, like people were like excited, but like I didn't feel like people really believed until that last drive, and when, like even people like jumped up and cheered, even because they thought that Amani Hooker tipped it. And Inches, just the yeah. sadness after that happened. Was, I was. Yeah, I was at a. I was at a. It might be one. That actually might be the last time I watched an Iowa game in an Iowa bar in Chicago. Uh, I was. I was sitting down on, on the, in the <laughs> gross, dirty ass bar. That I mean, I've suspended. I've more or less suspended. That was the night after that game. I got a hold of our Twitter, and that's I've suspended myself from our Twitter basically since. I think I suspended night. you from our Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> I think I've, I told I've, you you need to stop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God, that was the worst. I that was the worst I felt. That felt. I tweeted it. I remember this. I that, I, that felt worse than the Rose Bowl. That fucking loss. Yeah, and people still, didn't like that. I'll still maintain that. I will still fight you on that. That's a good take, though. I Absolutely. Don't hate it. I I think that the Rose Bowl, I got over it. Not got the Rose over Bowl, it. Rose like, Bowl. I was. I st- I turned it off after the first quarter. I accepted. It. I <laughs> I watched the whole. I watched the whole first half before I turned it off. But yeah, no, like that one, like I, I had accepted the loss very quickly. Yeah. But anyways, yes, um, back to the Final Four. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry for your loss, Harrison, the Boiler Hawk. Yep, yep, that's me. But, I don't know, I I think it's even, it's like kind of the, in a way, how it was with the women, the Iowa women losing, it was like, it was in that vein, right, where you, they kind of exceeded everyone's expectations of what they thought they would be. And even, like, people like me, which I would consider myself a very casual Purdue fan, uh, Christina's like, why don't we watch Purdue more? Where does she, like, where, well, what is her affiliation? What is, does, she have, does she have an affiliation? No. Why don't you practice self-dentistry uh, more? I don't which know. is uh, a small town in, or in Abilene. Oh, yeah, so sure. She, so, uh... Not, not not like a big time affiliation. So she just kind of snags whatever uh, crew neck sweatshirt she wants, and you know just kind of cheers for whomever. Which you know is a fun way to do it. To be honest, I've been doing uh, that with MLS, where I just every single week I just refer to every team as my team, <laughs> which infuriates commenters in the open thread. But you should, are you actually gonna become a Lewins guy, Max? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, maybe. I, I I'm gravitating honestly more towards other teams that I will not um say out loud. But I'll root for the loons. I'll go to their games. I'll root for them. I will say. I mean, this is a tangent on a tangent, but I went to a an FC Dallas game one time. I'm sorry. It was, it was about. But I mean, it was about the most fun experience I've had at a sporting event. Like, cause you can get really good seats. Oh for, yeah reasonably priced and it's like ooh, this is fun yeah was that was that when people still went to those because i'm not like meaning it like as like a a slight no it was like two years ago maybe yeah i I consider myself pretty in touch with mls and i honestly didn't know dallas had a team do you actually follow mls because i didn't until i don't this year i'm like i i can hold my own Casually, if it was on the front front of ESPN, I know about it. Except I, in Dallas, I guess. I joined Except the MLS Dallas. Fantasy League, and my first question was, is David Beckham still in the league? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
I we could get. I don't want to talk about fantasy sports. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, we're not Bill Simmons, I guess. Um, but anyways, back to the Final Four. Uh, it's <laughs> Texas Tech. Go Raiders against Michigan State. By Spartans. And Virginia. By Cavs. Against the Auburn. Max's Tigers. Sorry, that was I. War damn eagle, beat you to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm but, not particularly. Like, I don't. I don't usually care about the tournament once my team's eliminated. Like, I'll casually watch. I haven't watched very much of this tournament. I watched a lot of the Sweet Sixteen. That's. Mm, I'll probably tune in. <clears throat> I'm a big fan. I'm. Um, I'm all in on Texas Tech. They're my team, Davide Moretti, is uh, just a joy to watch. The whole Texas Tech team, uh, it's suffocating. Uh, I do like. I would really. I do like that they uh, celebrate the Old Town Road after every game. They're great. I mean, that is fun. Uh, Lubbock, wine country of the South. <laughs> you just have to be happy for them. <laughs> and uh, I think, God, isn't it? I mean, if you're this has got to be going to be the, one of the least watched Final Fours of all time. No Duke, no UNC. Uh, who else just watched? No Kentucky. It'll be. I think it'll three. be just as watched as usual. Um, uh, I, mean, I think that the casual I, or like the casual NCAA I'm going to fan. Old takes exposed you. What? I'm going to old takes exposed you on that. That's fine. But. Uh, I mean, I just think that like you know the NBA fans who are just tuning in to watch NBA talent. I think that they're. Probably going to be like, oh, well, Zion's not in it, so I'm not going to watch. But, like, there's some good talent still left. Like, Culver is going to be a top five pick. Yeah. What are they going to do? I just thought about this. I mean, if Auburn continues to advance, uh, Charles Barkley, are they going to even let him on TV? Yeah, like, you have to. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's compelling, right? Like, him just brazenly cheering for a team. <laughs> I liked uh, him versus uh, Kenny. Yeah, that was funny. <clears throat> Shit, I really wanted Charles to wear his old uh, uniform, <laughs> but I don't think I would have enjoyed seeing that. <laughs> well, I... for a while I thought Kenny was wearing his old uniform. He would, still but fit I guess it was his sons, right? Yeah, who's bigger than him, so or bigger than he was in college. But anyways, what is your uh, final four pick? <laughs> I picked Virginia at the beginning of the tournament. I'm sticking with them. Virginia versus who? Oh, I had Virginia against Michigan. Um, but I had Michigan in every single bracket I made. Which is one? Four. I didn't, uh, I didn't even make four. one this year. Uh, one office and three. I only do. I, they're, they're all $5 brackets. I won't spend more than $5 on a bracket. So you spent twenty dollars. Oh yeah, on a bracket. I spent twenty dollars on four brackets. <laughs> All right, pal. <laughs> what? Do I need to explain? I know you went to Iowa. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if I'd really consider that I was like that. I went. I more so like lived in Iowa City and paid the university <laughs> money for five years. I I I failed my very first math class, math for business. I got a big fat zero in that class. I got a seven out of I got a seven out of twenty seven on my first chem exam. Yeah, math. Yeah. Just not but that me. probably that probably uh, 
uh, curved out to a decent score, right? Uh, I think a D. Okay. <laughs> better than that. Yeah. Uh, better than a 7 out of 27. Better, better than Ben having to retake math twice. <laughs> twice. I retook a... <laughs> having, having to change his major over math for business. I, t- I, I, <laughs> uh, I retook uh, Understanding American Cultures. Oh, man, ACA with Nick Dickerson? <laughs> no, that was just a semester where I basically, like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. It was a bad semester for me. Anyways. We all have um, Yeah, anyways, I got Virginia and Texas Tech. It's going to be a 43-39 to 39 basketball game. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> it's going to be so <laughs> unwatchable. So like, I mean, I think, to your point earlier, I think the storylines are very compelling, but... There's just nothing to it for like kind of the casual fan, but for people who watch college basketball semi regularly, I think they're excited for this. I know our own Jordy Hansen is, um, but yeah, no no Zion. That I think that's definitely a letdown for everyone. Yeah, except for Michigan State. Yeah, no, I mean I think a lot of people complain about how Zion's not in and how. Uh... It's not in it anymore, and they'll just get over it. They'll watch because it's basketball and it's compelling, whether they know it or not. <laughs> unless it isn't, unless it's a redux of that UConn Butler game, and everyone just lambasts it. Fair. Moving to basketball a little closer to home, Jordan Bohannon's tweet really set up a a shockwave. I did not expect he went it. viral. Um, yeah, like legitimately viral. The the tweet of Nicholas's Bears, uh, I guess, stolen rug, which had the really cool March Madness emblem on it. He tweeted something pretty sarcastically about, "Hey, we'll uh, we'll give you this rug back if we can make money and off our likeness." And uh, apparently, the NCAA did not let, take too kindly to it. I didn't read the and he, I didn't read the Emmert story. What was what happened with that? So he ended up issuing an apology, and the apology was incredibly tongue in cheek. So like, I hardly consider it an apology. Like, if you're if you're throwing out mea culpa, you're not actually issuing a mea culpa. Like, or if we can be honest, but uh, basically, the NCAA re- reached out to Iowa and said, "You can't leave this hanging. Like, you have to." kind of close this out so that's that's what he did and uh i guess it's not a story anymore yeah. but <laughs> that was a fun 12 hours I yeah guess. it was fun you know tweeting's fun bohannon uh he's good and bad on the twitter as we all are i actually think but he's really a- entertaining on twitter like nine times out of ten he's just he's on it quite a bit yeah yeah, he he's days. on Twitter probably about he's as high, much as I am. He he's um he's a high volume shooter, high volume tweeter. You know, it, it happens. <laughs> I get it. I get it now. I'm now I'm more forgiving of his tweeting abilities, tweeting uh, propensity. I don't know. But yeah, that was fun. Good, good little fun little prank. I'd like to know. I didn't see. I read. I read the Doctorman story, and I don't think Fran had a comment on it. Did he? He issued a statement. Did he? I didn't even yeah, see that. Yeah, he did. It was like. I don't know. Like, I mean, people can read the story. It was in. It was in the athletic one. Um, 
but it, it wasn't there wasn't much there there it was basically we do you we think france Jordan uh, because france okay. a player's coach um yeah. like i mean it wasn't that much i think my one qualm about it was that i mean obviously he was just scrolling on twitter and he saw it but i, I felt bad because it kind of took away from the women's game which is like the Emirates story came out in the middle of that first quarter. Really? Like I remember it kind of vividly. It's like, oh, this stinks. And then the athletic had their story. It's like, I don't know. Like I, I was just a little disappointed that the Iowa news cycle got focused on it, but you know, what else are they going to do? Yeah. I'm just, what are you going to do? I'm just seeing the Frank Kaminsky tweet. Did you guys see that one? Where? He quote tweeted Zach Bohannon saying that he took uh, some NCAA stuff uh, and asked if uh, Frank was forced to issue up an apology. And Frank was like, I took everything I could get my hands on and I won't apologize for it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the most likable Frank Kaminsky's ever been. Yeah. I like Frank Kaminsky. Shut up. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, the the McCaffrey statement was, "I applaud Jordan for voicing his opinion on name, image, and likeness." I mean, good. and then it good for Fred. Basically, I don't hate it, it. it. Goes from there. So. Yep. First Amendment answer. Can't. There you go. I guess kind of the the last topic I wanted to touch on was Fred Hoiberg, just like every other Iowa media outlet. <laughs> Apparently, it's a non-story. Does anyone have any any thoughts on it? It's a non-story. Doesn't. Uh, I can't believe I just and nobody. I've I've asked this in Slack at least three times, and nobody has rebutted me or given me a good an- a concrete answer. He has gotten to have got. He has to have have received better job offers than Lincoln, Nebraska. He's from Lincoln. That doesn't <sighs> like his, does not change. His grandfather the, coached at Nebraska. That doesn't change the 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 premise of my oh, statement. Oh no, I don't disagree with that. I mean, but like, do you think that he thinks that they're better than Lincoln, Nebraska? He's walking into yes. a brand new facility. He just came from Chicago. He's yeah. He's, he worked I, I, for I Gar Foreman. I can't, <laughs> I can't. I can't speak to the facilities and aims, but like, Lincoln. Does he just want to? Coach and bumfuck his entire life. From where I've read, for, from where I've read, uh, for for insufferable people. For what I've read, <laughs> like is that what he wants? The facilities in Lincoln are in fact better than the facilities in Ames. Uh, probably. I I've heard actually, like yeah, they're like isn't their volleyball facility like better than the like U.S. Olympic volleyball facility? Yeah, well, that I mean, all their basketball stuff is like three or four years old. Yeah. Um. Harrison, I please just Harrison, just offer me a satisfying rebuttal, please. Here is my make something up. I, I think to. this is a good one. I think he has a savior complex. How'd that <laughs> what what, what kind of armchair psychology is that? Like he goes to places he wants to be just totally beloved. <sighs> so like he goes to Iowa State. He basically get, has carte blanche to run the program however he wants. It worked. Yeah. It worked. But, I mean, that was um, also his alma mater, too. So, like, 
exactly. It's not even like a savior. The thing mayor. That's I mean, like yeah. A, now, I mean, now you have the mayor. They, nickname they don't is, even is, refer to him as his name. I mean, they probably do now because I think they're very split on how they feel about him. I don't think they care. Like, they, he was the mayor. Do, <laughs> like, do you think that he invented the nickname "Go Big Fred"? Oh, that makes me. That's oh. so upsetting to me. Like out of <laughs> any of this, that's the one <laughs> thing. Worst thing I've ever heard. Out of all of it, that's the one thing that upsets me. All right, Harrison. Um, let's say he does have a savior complex. There's got to be like more. Like, there has to be more appealing places than Lincoln offering more money where he can still do that. There isn't a lower bar to be a savior. Why not? Don't you think maybe Austin? Don't you think Texas would have given him a shot? Don't you think? What if the job offers weren't rolling in? Yeah, I mean he's getting paid three plus million dollars. Apparently, like I, I think the only one that's maybe compelling is UCLA. And they, I don't, think I, you, I don't, think I don't know if they could have matched that dollar figure. UCLA is apparently trying anyway. to get Coach Kell so hard that Kentucky is offering him a lifetime lifetime contract. So like I don't Chris even Beard's know if Weber is on the radar. Right? You, Chris Beard's going to UCLA, right? That's good. I mean, I think that's that's got to be a done deal, just about. I think that's a good prediction. Develford yeah, to think, UCLA. Um, <laughs> I think I, I I would bet all my money that Chris Beard is at UCLA's next coach. Um, which is to say, I've got like eight bucks. Pardon my ignorance. Uh, um, Chris Beard is who? The Texas Tech Texas coach. Texas Tech coach. Oh, all right, thanks. Um. But I think it's going to be interesting because, like, one, the Big Ten's a different dynamic than the Big 12. Like, I don't think there's this vacuum in the Big Ten of, like, teams, the second to fifth or sixth best team. I There are a lot of teams vying for that spot in a way that weren't in the Big 12 when Hoiberg initially went to Iowa State. Like, I mean, he, he went to somewhere where there's a path to being a, a top – half of the team in or top half of the conference team in a conference that more suits his style. I, I think it'll be interesting to see if he runs into the same problems that kind of this iteration of Iowa has um, in terms of defense. I, I think that might expose them a little more and even expose their offense if they're not um, properly seasoned. I guess if they're if they're not uh, ready yes. to grit and grind, and, and then I think the third thing is he was like really at the forefront in my opinion of the transfer game, but he was also really good at attracting high school players like Niang. Um, I know Thomas uh, Morris, like he he got a lot of those kids from high school too. But I think the transfer market is just so much more saturated that it's not going to be quite as easy for him to take it so i'm curious to see how he does i don't really want to put a number on it for next year or even his tenure um but i definitely think he probably wins uh uh tournament game for them within probably buddy within probably five years at, if not oh, sooner oh, but I'm buying nebraska that. has um, never won a tournament game what makes you think they're gonna start now their coach Better coach. Disagree. Yeah, I mean, I think... It's Nebraska. You think Tim Miles is a better coach than Fred Hoiberg? Oh, no, I just disagree that they're going to win a tournament game because it's Nebraska, and they never win them. Oh, okay. Well, if... if 
I'm just blind. I mean, if yeah, they never win a tournament, if they never win a tournament game, Fred Hoiberg is done as a coach. Yeah, I'm. Like, I'm just blindly hating. Um. Okay, I respect it. That's fine. Uh two two questions. What's harder to recruit, Ames or Lincoln? Lincoln for basketball. Yeah, Lincoln. I think so too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so he hates recruiting. And I know you brought the transferring point, but when he was, you know, I think the whole transfer situation, like you said, the landscape has completely changed uh, in the past three or four years, even the past one or two years. Uh, so I guess, yeah, there is there is that. I mean, to Max's point, that he might just not be able to keep up, but you have to think that he'll navigate it. No, I think he'll be fine. Uh, he does have credentials that not many college coaches have. I mean, I think the two that I know offhand that have coached in the NBA are Musselman and Calipari. There are probably others that were head coaches that I can't think of. Oh, Avery Johnson, but he got fired. Yeah. Um, um, so then let's say he does great. In Nebraska, which I'm kind of more inclined to believe. Yeah. I think he'll be successful. No, he'll be successful um, there. Where Where's next? I don't think he's going to be a lifer there. Wait for Kentucky to open up. Ooh. God. Hilarious. That's a good one. Hilarious prediction. That's and, a good one, Max. And I love it. I mean, I don't know if it'll be Kentucky, but it'll be, it'll be a program like <laughs> we, that. We are making predictions for the college basketball coaching landscape seven years from now. If not longer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, Coach Kelly just got the lifetime contract offer, so if he decides to take that, then it'll be like 20 years down the road. But if he doesn't take it and he leaves, that means that Foybrook's immediately leaving for Kentucky, right? It makes you think. Makes you think. Well, I feel like we've had a lot of really stupid conspiracy theories on this podcast tonight. Uh, that, I think that was the only Ooh, should we do a conspiracy conspiratorial one episode? I don't know. We didn't get into like John Rothstein as a robot or mm. uh, anything else, but I think that's probably a good place to leave it, Max. Uh, don't you? No, I don't. Ben, I have one question for everybody. What was the no. best beer you had this weekend? Uh, Son of Juice from Maplewood. It's a good one. It's, it's not my favorite from Maplewood, but it's a good one. The best one from Maplewood is only available at the brewery. It's called um, Shaky Haze, I believe. I've That's never had that the one. best beer I've had. I mean, the best yeah, that um, I could get anywhere, I think, is the Charlatan. Really? I, that's okay. my favorite by them. It's a good one. It's good. It's really good, but it's not, not my favorite. That's fair. Okay. They're, they have a great stout, too. Everything they do is great. Even their Pilsner, which is normally yeah, super... The... Uh, boring Plasky beers. Pills is pretty Plasky, good. The Plasky Pills is a pretty, pretty great pills. Ooh, I will say I had a black pepper pills. Mm. What? Down in Dallas. Yeah. Do you actually? Now we're talking about Pilsners. Did you know that like Pilsner Quell, they have a special unfiltered beer you can only get uh, on the tap, and it's always this time of year. Oh, it actually tastes different. It's pretty good. Wait, what is it? Pilsner Quell, it's like one of the largest breweries in the world. It's out of Czech Republic. Uh, they have they they do like a special unfiltered. I don't know what the I mean. It's unfiltered. I don't know what the fuck that means in parlance. Uh, 
but it's like a, a I don't know it's, it tastes different it's really quite good and I'm, like bars everywhere are advertising it because it only comes around this time of year and uh, you normally get to keep the mug too so great deal that does Highly sound recommend. pretty great yeah I think I'm going to try that out on Thursday night I'll send pics please please do uh, yeah. I don't think they have that in Bentonville <laughs> I bet they do let me, let me know where to go out. and I'll go uh, I'll be at Patty Wong's. All right, see you there. On diversity. Okay. All right, great. <clears throat> How about you, Max? What was your best beer this weekend? Um, I had a uh, pretty good... Uh, there's this brewery, I think it's just south of Champaign, uh, like Triptych. Mm-hmm, uh, I've mm-hmm. had some pretty good beers from them, but I had a very good New England IPA this weekend from them that um, they've never disappointed me so far. They're like It's like a small town of like maybe like 500 people. And they've got some of the best beer in Illinois that I've had. So sorry for being very niche. I also had a good revolution. Which one? Uh, I've had the Lucky Hero. Never had it. Uh, Harrison, where is in Harris Craft local brewery, like craft brewery, from you? Is there? Oh, I mean, we have a few. Um... <laughs> Kentucky's got them. Uh, my favorite one that we have is called Bike Rack Brewing, uh, Northwest Bike Arkansas. Rack. If anyone can get a beer outside of here, I would be kind of surprised. But they actually came out with one, a Gilded Maple, which I think is a brown lager with um, made with maple syrup. So I'm going to have to swing on down and get some of that before it gets sold up. Mm. So I'm excited for that one. What is the fame other than, obviously, the, the corporation... What is the famous ex- local export of Bentonville? Oh God, I have blueberries. Is are you being sarcastic, or do you Not actually know? A little bit. I'm just kind of curious. I don't know if there's like, oh my God, we've got a blueberry festival every year, or I'm just curious what the town is like. The town, so yeah, so the town is pretty cool. Um, it's pretty interesting because i did not actually know this but it wasn't until like the last five to ten years that benton county actually stopped being a dry county so that coincided with a lot of the the craft beer scene um there are i guess probably three or four in the area um a lot of cool bars and restaurants in the downtown area um but it's not quite got a thing outside of uh, the the corporation you're talking about, the Forbes One company. The, the Borg, if you will. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, that was uh, Talking Culture on Blackheart. Gold Gooseberries. Good, uh, good save there, pal. Forgetting the name of the Harrison, podcast nice again. Harrison, wrap this up, please. All righty. Well, that is this week's edition of the Pants Party for Max at Gospel of Max for Ben at Ren Boss. Is there a 23 after it, Ben? There's a 23, but you don't want to go there. All I don't right. think that you uh, actually tweet. Do you tweet? I'm good for about one day lately, actually. Harrison's a regular. Thank you. Yeah, Ben's got pretty good tweets. I, I very rarely see them. But uh, Harrison's girl, or not girlfriend, sorry, his Harrison's wife called me funny, so that's yeah. cool. She 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 had a picture, or she had one of Max's tweets up, and she's like, you know, he's kind of funny. 
Hey, I'll take it. I can't. I can't remember. Oh, it was your one about. I, oh, now this is like devolving into uh, talking about fantasy sports. But the, oh, your cool tweet. Now the one about Florida sports. She loved it. I don't even remember what I said. I've tweeted about a hundred times in the last few days. I'll go find it eventually. It, it was. It was a great one. Uh, yeah, and then uh, for myself at HD underscore star, uh, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Okay, cool. Hook them. <laughs>